Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Summer winding down, second week of August. Some kids are already getting ready to go back to school. How about that? Yeah, so if you're one of those kids, sorry about that. If you're one of those parents, life's going to settle down, right? Um, going to do a news hour today because of more news coming out of Afghanistan about provincial capitals falling and things like that. So I thought I would haul the Mensa brothers uh, back on the program for an unscheduled appearance. So we'll talk about that. And essentially, what are we seeing? We see the headlines. Um, Compare that to all the things that they have discussed, you know, about Afghanistan. And does... Is... What is appearing in the news any different from what they thought? So we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. There's some audio I want to play from General Jack Keane. He was on a little bit ago on Fox News, so you'll hear that. And uh, we'll check the news before we do that. So uh, probably I I like doing this, which is the news hour. Uh, So... Probably do like a news hour once a week, and today would be that day because of news. So, uh, good morning on a, on a busy week for me. Uh, head out to speak at the Marine Corps League convention in uh, Springfield, Illinois. Fly out on Thursday, speak on Friday, and then... Uh, Continue to head east for my uh, my youngest sons. My younger son. Well, he is the youngest son and the younger son. So younger would be two. Youngest would mean more. But there is more than one, so both would apply. My youngest son, Patrick, uh, gets married next week. 
So we'll head out there and uh, be in the uh, D.C., Annapolis area for a few days uh, doing that. So so a big week. Yeah, a big couple weeks, actually. So um, so good morning to you. Uh, United States Marine Corps Band uh, makes this morning official. Good morning. Some in the last week, I've had some pretty amazing experiences um, relative to the work I do with people in trauma. So I, I, it would be inappropriate if I named anybody, but this is dedicated to a whole bunch of people who um, I've who have found me and uh, the post-traumatic wisdom that is contained in the post-traumatic winning presentation. And they are using that wisdom to change their life. And I just can't tell you um, how inspirational that is to me. Um, The thing that moves me, I think, as much or two things move me, selflessness and courage. And when you see people that have struggled with things for decades beginning to change that, the narrative of their lives, it's pretty impressive stuff. And so this dedicated to a bunch of people that I will not name. And uh, God bless you. And keep doing what you're doing. And you will certainly live a great life. It's not easy, but there is a path and you can do it. And I can't tell you how much you all inspire me. Nice going.
You're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think. And you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> Never gets old. Wait for it. Wait for it. <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. That's awesome. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You got to win. All right, time for us to uh, check the weather. We'll, then we'll check some news. Then we'll head towards Afghanistan. You'll hear Jack Keen, and then you'll hear the Mensa brothers here on a Monday morning. So, yeah, pleasant surprise. Those geniuses. Uh, partly sunny in 82 in Quantico. Sunny in 85 at, at Camp Lejeune. Down the coast, I'm sorry, across the country in 29 Palms. Sunny in 87 at 29 Palms. Sunny in 67 at Camp Pendleton. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 72. Okinawa, dark raining in 79. In Manila, in the Philippines, adjacent to the South China Sea. It is dark raining in 81. And in Darwin, clear, dark, and 69 degrees. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio. Clear skies and 67 degrees. On the way to a high today of 75. Let me tell you, I mean, um, it's been amazing, the mild summer here in Southern California. I mean, normally 75 degrees, you see it in the spring, you see it in the fall, and they're the days you love about living in California. You don't see it. Um, you don't see it in, uh, in the summer, but I have to tell you that I'm not complaining about it because it's straight up beautiful. 75 degrees, no humidity, not very many bugs. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It's all right. So, um... That is a look at your weather. Uh, we'll check some news headlines this morning. And uh, like I said, then really the reason I wanted the Mensa brothers to come on was to uh, talk about Afghanistan. The news about, uh, what, three more provincial, um, three more provincial capitals falling in Afghanistan, uh, two in the north and one in the southwest. So... Um, There's some video. There's some video on my monitor, um, and I will tell you 
one thing that I think all of us see a lot more of on TV now. Because of the proliferation of cameras in cities, in front of businesses, in front of homes and things like that, we now see things that, you know, have never, you know, really. And and what you see, I think, most often, I mean, you see, you know, muggings and robberies and shootings and it's just it's disgusting right it's disgusting the stuff that's going on in in our cities today and uh this whole defund the police thing at some point you know at some point i hope the nation wakes up and says hey look (laughs) you got to have a police force um, top story today in Stars and Stripes is Navy sends plane to help battle fires in Greece. Other other top news from Stars and Stripes. Taliban sees major Afghan city, one of three provisional capitals, to fall on Sunday. The, um, yeah, not like, got it, there's a fire in Greece. Not so concerned about that. Um, So just a little bit from Afghanistan. The Taliban overran three provincial capitals in Afghanistan on Sunday, including the strategic northern city of Kunduz, officials said. They are the latest in a string of battlefield wins by the insurgents. Now, I don't think that's accurate. Who have stepped up attacks as American troops withdraw from the countries. Kunduz, a key commercial hub with a population of more than 350,000 people and a capital and a capital of a province with the same name, is the biggest city to fall to the Taliban since the withdrawal of U.S. forces began in May. The, um... So anyway, that was one. Sorry, Paul, the capital of another northern province with the same name, was a third provincial capital capital to fall to the Taliban. And then also on Sunday, they seized the capital of Takar province. So anyway, um, so that in news. And, and we'll come back to that. So uh, top story in USNI news is the Senate confirmed the Secretary of Navy and uh, his name, in case you don't know it, is Carlos Del Toro. He's a former surface warfare officer and uh, Cuban-born Naval Academy graduate, served in the Navy for 22 years before working as a Pentagon civilian and then as a head of a Northern Virginia information technology firm. He will be the second Hispanic Secretary of the Navy, following Edward Hidalgo, who was Secretary of the Navy during Jimmy Carter's administration. So, that in the news. So, again, to me, what's significant about him? Service warfare officer. Maybe he can add some clarity to it. Uh, another interesting story in uh, in USNI News is headline: U.S. says new Iranian 
Iranian kamikaze drone killed two in merchant ship attack. So, bit of a new phase, right? Um, bit of a new phase. And Iran back in the news. So, that from USNI News, from Marine Corps Times, top headlines. Top general on force design slated to be the next assistant commandant. And uh, that is Lieutenant General. Uh, is Lieutenant General? I think he's, uh, well, he's a general. Four-star type. And that is Eric Smith, who's a friend of mine and served together with him in Af- in Iraq in 2004. He was a current operations officer uh, for uh, the 1st Marine Division when I was there working for General Mattis. Um, he got wounded in an ambush, got shot through the calf um, when the Humvees he was riding in got ambushed. Uh, lucky to be alive. Uh, he then came back as a battalion commander for 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, my old battalion when I was a lieutenant. And there's an awesome interview that I did with him from Ramadi that's up on All Marine Radio if you put in Eric Smith's name. So he is um, slated to become the next assistant commandant of the Marine Corps. Um, a couple other stories that I wanted to talk about. Um, listen to this headline. An 84-year-old German sentenced after hiding a World War II, and they use the word Nazi tank, right? It's a German army tank, but Nazis Hitler was a Nazi, so. Um, Anti-aircraft cannon in his house. How the hell did he get him in his house? Right? What was he sentenced to at the age of 84? 14 months. Oh, a German resident in the northern town of Heikendorf was sentenced this week to a suspended prison sentence of 14 months nearly six years after authorities discovered a World War II-era arsenal in the defendant's cellar, a collection that included a 1943 40-ton tank and an 88-millimeter anti-aircraft cannon. Now, the 88-millimeter is the stuff of legend. The defendant's name, only Klaus Dieter F. in German reports. German privacy laws restrict full identification. He was ordered to pay $300,000 in U.S. dollars. The defendant reportedly purchased and restored the tank in the late 1970s, and when it was brought to Germany after sitting untouched in an English junkyard for decades. Although he stored it in his cellar, Klaus Dieter F. wasn't shy about showcasing his prized possessions. According to local reports, the defendant drove it on multiple occasions, even using it as a snowplow during a particularly harsh winter. The 84-year-old former financial expert had his house raided in 2015 after authorities saw some of the artifacts while conducting searches for stolen Nazi art. In addition to the tank and the flak gun, 
Officials found a mortar, a torpedo, 70 rifles and machine guns, and more than 1,000 rounds of of ammunition. Most items were determined to be non-operational. So, I don't think it's really a basement. That would I think that's like wrong to categorize that this was in the basement. He had some kind of drive-in garage, right? That maybe he used as a basement. But this tank, yeah, this straight, <laughs> straight up long barrel tank. Hello. So that's an interesting story. Um, there's an interesting story with the headline Commandant calls on senior Marines to stop shackling junior Marines well you know the reason this environment exists because senior Marines get relieved all the time for this stuff. And who relieves them? Guys like the Commandant who don't look and say, yeah, that's not your fault. That's that guy's fault. Everybody got to go. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, you shrug your shoulders when you hear it. The reason, quote unquote, senior Marines, commanders, I would say at the battalion level, the regimental level and above, don't tolerate this is because they know they'll get relieved. In the age of Twitter, where all it takes is somebody, you know, to end your career to go on Twitter and blow it up. Quote, unquote, senior Marines don't tolerate indiscretion or lack of judgment. You want to know why? Because they're held accountable for it in this age of mass media. And because senior leaders to them can't handle it they don't tolerate it so it's kind of funny because the commandant ultimately fosters that climate so ironic ironic uh early bird top story propaganda intensifies in afghanistan as the taliban gain ground Story in the New York New York Times, the effort to fend off panic and minimize losses has taken on outsized importance following the seizure of five provincial capitals by the Taliban. And uh, there's some interesting maps. If you go to War on the Rocks, there's a map that I'll put in this post. Uh, and you'll, you can see the map. And really what you're going to see is the place where Afghan federal control was strongest, where there was the most money is still under Afghan federal control. But that is kind of the center of the nation. Okay, And um, the outlying areas, if they are not already, will soon be controlled by the Taliban. And so we shall see what happens. We shall see. And you'll hear a discussion about that here shortly, so I won't. Uh, beat that up here. Number two, U.S. government clears a $750 million artillery sale to Taiwan. So that's kind of interesting because that was verboten years ago. Um, number three, Senate confirms 
Del Toro as the 78th Secretary of the Navy. So, again, congratulations to a surface warfare officer, Cuban-born, right? No, I don't know if he's Cuban-born. Cuban-descendant. I have to go back and find that out. What is he? I just read it. I should remember it, but I don't. The Cuban-born Naval Academy graduate. How about that? There you have it. Um, Number four, VA continues to struggle with military sexual assault claims. Why? For the same reason that... So the headline is... The headline is, VA continues to struggle with military sexual assault claims. So why does the VA struggle with them? For the same reason that the active component struggles with it? Because at the end of the day, somebody's got to prove something? Overall, the VA estimates roughly 57% of denied military sexual trauma claims were still not processed correctly, an increase from 49% during a similar review in 2018. The IG concluded that VBA was not properly implementing recommended changes to assist veterans who have experienced military sexual trauma in obtaining the care and benefits to which they are entitled. So, um, yeah, for the same, I'd be curious to explore that deeper, and at some point I will. Number five, here's why CENTCOM thinks Iran is behind a fatal drone attack on a ship last month. Yeah, the whole drone thing, man. Getting more and more formidable as more and more nations develop that technology, which is not very expensive, as more and more uh, non-state actors get access to these things. Um, There's a few... um, There's a few interesting stories that I just want to real quick talk about. There's an interesting story that a number of people sent me over the weekend. Is expeditionary foraging in the Marine Corps' future? Like, what in the hell, right? What does that mean? So there's an article about that. All right. And then the other one was the, you know, the irony of the Commandant calling on senior Marines to stop shackling junior leaders. Right? Let me tell you, the shackling starts at the top. You can't make a mistake or you're going to get relieved. You, you know, you do something, what you would consider bold or decisive. Somebody puts it on Twitter, you know, Marine Corps Times reacts to it. Your ass is done. (laughs) And so the irony of the commandant saying, hey, you need to, you know, you need to be more about this, right? I don't know. To me, it's, uh, it's rich. It's rich. Um, cause if that's what you want, then that's what you should do, but it tends not to work that way. Right. I'm not saying I'm just saying, all right. 
a little bit ago, um, since we are going to talk about um, Afghanistan, uh, Jack Keane was on uh, was on Fox News with uh, Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. And this is Jack Keane talking about Afghanistan. It certainly is a very sad situation. I mean, we're, we're kind of watching in slow motion the bloody and ugly situation in Afghanistan, which will likely be the collapse of the government and also their security forces as the Taliban are on the verge of taking over. I mean, when I, when I look back on the decision that President Biden made, which now I think he's going to come to regret, Remember that the United States military and much of his national security team had advised him not to take this action, to keep the modest force there, to hold the security forces together, prevent a Taliban takeover, and prevent a resurgence of al-Qaeda. That was the basic premise of that recommendation. But even, even our NATO allies who were participating in the Afghan operation with us wanted to stay. So that's the situation we had there. Now, I think... We have conditions that no one foresaw as happening as eminent and immediate mm-hmm. as these situations are. And that is with the collapse of the security forces, the momentum that the Taliban have had, because they, until just recently, there's been no U.S. support of the ground forces, which are indeed the Afghan security forces. So what I think that the Biden and his team should do is is reassess this situation, given these new conditions, given that they were not foreseen as being eminent, and ask yourself two tough questions that should have been asked, you know, when the decision was made to withdraw. What else can we do to sustain the Kabul government? And what do we need to do to sustain the Afghan security forces going forward? And And the likelihood of those answers will come with different recommendations that we have right now. And one thing I think uh, when it comes to the security forces is certainly we are there are airstrikes. But what our viewers likely don't understand is for those airstrikes to really be very effective. We need people on the ground who know where the friendlies are and where the enemy is Mm -hmm. so you can deliver precision weapons against that enemy. And we don't have that. Uh, and what would be good is to put some special forces back in here. That would be a reassessment decision. We can have them work for the CIA if we wanted to keep it completely classified, where they can work for conventional forces. Uh, the commander is, is, is Central Command, General McKenzie. So that's a, that's a recommendation that would really change some things. And then what else do we need to do for the government? What else do we need to do to sustain the military contractor, certainly for the military? Supposedly we're pulling them all out 31 August. That makes no sense. This supports their Air Force, which we want to empower and embolden. So, yes, I think a reassessment is necessary. Uh, if mistakes were made, admit them, the American people can deal with that. And let's get on and making certain that we don't see an Afghan government who we've been aligned with for 20 years with their security forces fighting side by side against radical Islam. Mm-hmm. We don't see that collapse right before our eyes and, and the maybe, bloody situation. Yeah. General, maybe they are listening to you over the weekend. B-52s and AC-130 gunships have responded to various parts of Afghanistan, as you point out. Who knows what intel you have on the ground? you got 20 years invested, I think $74 billion. Yes, it is true. We thought the Afghan army was better than it has shown itself to be. But can you, what was the issue in keeping 2,500 U.S. forces behind? Why not do that? 
70 years later in Germany, you have troops there. South Korea, the same as well. Just a small contingent that makes sure that people do not get slaughtered in broad daylight. Yeah, I mean, there was no real political push from the American people, either on President Trump, who wanted to get out, or on President Biden, who wanted to get out. I mean, if you ask the average person on the street, should we get out of Afghanistan after we've been there for 20 years? Probably the answer is yes. But if you said to them, keeping 2,500 soldiers in Afghanistan to make sure we don't get attacked again, you think that's worth it? You'd probably get a favorable answer to that as well. Mm -hmm. So people are, are reasonable on both sides of this issue. But I... I Clearly, no one intended for the Taliban to take over and create a carnage inside of Afghanistan when that decision was made. So if that is the case, Mr. President and others, reassess it. Let's go back and see yeah. what, what we can still do to avoid and prevent this horrible situation that we see playing out right on our TV screens. Yes, and just to wrap it up, President Biden said in July, the likelihood that there's going to be a Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. But there you have it. General, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so much for that, right? Um, so if situ the situation changes, right, reconvene your planners and reassess, send American troops back in there, and then what do you think is going to happen then? So let's do action, reaction, counteraction. And we'll do a little bit of this on Thursday. So we we convene with our NATO partners in emergency meeting saying that, look, our best forecast is proving wrong. Our worst forecast is proving wrong as well. It's worse than our worst forecast. And what's going to be problematic for us is this thing's going to play out very publicly. And we don't want that. So we believe we need to go back in there. Right? We need to reoccupy Bagram Air Base. And then we need to have a presence in the nation to force the Taliban to deal with the federal government, politically, the way they said they would. Because the Taliban have no have no reason to do that. They, and I would tell you, I don't know this, but if you watch their actions, they have no intention to do that either. What they've done is tell the Americans what they want to hear so they will leave the country. And once they leave the country, we will do what we will do. And nobody will say anything about it. So, so now that happened. Let, let's just say the United States announces that, you know, we and our NATO allies will send a total of, you know, 8,000 troops back in. We will have special operations forces as well as, you know, quick response soldiers there uh, to make sure that um, the Taliban live up to their expectations. Now we know we said, um, now we know this is contrary to the agreement we signed, but they're acting contrary to the agreement that they signed as well. And all we're trying to do is make sure that agreement gets adhered to. So the Taliban's response to that is going to be what? Increased violence. All over that country, it's going to be on again. 
It's going to be on a very public way to send a message to, to through the American media to the American people that this is a bad decision. And, you know, more mature minds need to prevail in the United States. So that's what will happen. So it will be the first topic on Thursday. So with that said, the Mensa brothers uh, are going to join me right now. We recorded this yesterday. I'm happy to bring it to you because uh, it's an interesting discussion given all the experience that uh, Tim has in the country and Jeff have in the country. Um, I not so much. I was down in the South uh, and Tim was there for part of you know where I was, but um, they both have more time in the country. So without further ado, on this Monday, as we do the news hour here, um, the Mensa brothers join me right now. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Kind of a little bit of a um, impromptu um, Mensa Brother event, and uh, the reason we're doing it is news out of Afghanistan made big news on uh, yesterday, so uh, we'll talk about that here a little bit today. Uh, joining me from uh, McAllen, Texas. McAllen, much in the news uh, these days. So uh, Tim Lynch joins me. Tim, how you doing? Doing just fine, Matt. Thank you so much. Hey, what's, uh, let me, let's ask you before we talk about anything else. Um, uh, we see these national stories about uh, evidently, the Department of Homeland Security is now you and you from I don't know how long. I mean, every time you talk about this issue, the thing you immediately tack on to any of your comments about, you know, about uh, what's going on along our southern border is, yeah, but they don't stay here. They're immediately right. put on the bus. The locals here, they don't mess around with this stuff. They're immediately shipped other places. Um, that, from what we read, is not the case anymore. Can you see cool. it in your community? Oh, Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. They, they don't go wandering anywhere near uh, uh, where people are living in McAllen. What has happened is the influx of, uh, of migrants has overstressed the ability of the Catholic relief charities to bus them and fly them out of here. So they were storing them temporarily in a tented facility in McAllen. Uh, that, uh, the mayor put a kibosh to that. So now they've got them stashed underneath the Andy Lois Bridge, which is the, the crossing in Mission, Texas. There's thousands of them down there, and it's uh, it's 105 degrees. They're in a swamp. There's there's still malaria around these parts. I mean, these people are getting. It's a miserable situation for them, and it's a miserable situation for us because as these migrants overflow the Catholic relief shelter, they're going into local establishments, and a lot of them are visibly sick. And there's nothing we will do about it because the judge has left this at the federal government's feet and uh, is playing politics with it. And the local people are fed up. But you're not going to see too much more of that. As I said, the majority of people here are Hispanic. All the cops are. Everybody speaks Spanish here. And, uh, and migrants are, are, are absolutely shepherded to where they need to be, which is not here. Got it. But so where you live, um, 
the because you know you're seeing headlines at McAllen, Texas being overrun. Um, yeah, you... I I saw three young men that looked to me to probably to be migrants walking down the street uh, right around dawn, um, maybe two days ago. I said aloha. I no, I said hola, hola amigos. They didn't say anything and scurried on. But I think maybe two minutes later, I saw a police cruiser going right after them because they That's... weren't. From... That's because they weren't from Mexico. They're probably from Afghanistan. No, no, no. Central Americans, bro. They're Central <laughs> Mexican Americans don't do this. They're, they're, these aren't Mexican Americans. They got Mexican Americans can come here and stay all they want. They they can't live here, but they can come here. No, no. These are all Central Americans. Got it. All right. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Hey, well, I see you. The Mexican Americans can come here on a visa, a, a, a regular tourist visa. It's not a piece of paper. If they stay and establish a residence and get caught driving, then they get deported. Which is Mexican Americans are Americans. Americans, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Mexicans can come to America. God okay. bless. Got sorry. It. All right, um, Jeff, you were in Southern California, yay? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, beautiful weather this weekend. Not a little bit cool in, in the evening, but uh, beautiful weather in yep. Southern California. Yep. Yep. And then Will is in uh, an undisclosed location in the vicinity of Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Kansas. City, Kansas. And Kansas City, Missouri, if we're talking about undisclosed general location. Will, can you give us a weather update uh, from the Kansas City area? Yeah, we had a great week. It was probably in the low 80s. And then uh, yesterday it reverted back to summertime, so it's probably 97 and humid. And uh, we've got intermittent showers blowing through here on a Sunday afternoon. Got it. All right. Uh, what I want to do is I'm going to read a little bit of a, some news headlines, and then we're going to, first of all, talk about where these things are occurring, and then we'll kind of talk about um, this phenomenon of capitals falling without uh, any significant fighting. So um, this, from, this is from Stars and Stripes. The fall of Kundes and Sari Pool came a day after the Taliban overtook Shibergan the capital of northern Jazjan province. And on Friday, Taliban fighters seized Zaranj, a western Nimroz province, the first provincial capital to fall to the insurgents since the U.S. and international forces began withdrawing from Afghanistan. All right, so um, Tim and Jeff, you guys are most familiar with Afghanistan's geography uh, Kundes and Sari Paul, um, where are they, and what is their yeah. what is their significance? Kundes in the northeast, okay. and uh, it's mostly not Pashtun people. It's mostly, uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be uh, Tajiks up there, and even Uzbeks and so forth. And uh, so it's a, uh, and then the other place that fell same time was uh, down there in. Um, Nimru's province was on the opposite side of Afghanistan. Well, hold on, are, hold on, hold on, are, hold on. Uh, before, so Kunduz and Sari Paul, right, right? Up in the north. So Sari Paul is is adjacent to Kunduz in the north. I believe so. Timmy, it, it, it is adjacent to Kunduz. What its significance is is Sari Paul is on the road between Kabul and Mazar Sharif. I've, I've driven through Sari Paul. 50 times. Beautiful town. But it's right on the way between... It's blocking any access from Kabul to Mazar Sharif and the border to Tajikistan. Okay. Um, Shebergen. 
I'm not sure right. if I'm saying that right. Jaws one, right. Okay, Suburbia. so can you tell us where that is and what the significance of that falling? Nor- northwest from Conduce, the significance is that's the, the home area of the Uzbeks. Uh, uh, Dostum uh, held sway there for a long time. But Dostum, as Jeff has pointed out before, fought against the Soviets, fought with the Soviets, fought against the Taliban, fought with the Taliban, so we don't know. But that's a heavily Uzbek area. I'm surprised to see it fall at, at all. Yeah. Something else, Mac, too, is that uh, I started to say that uh, at the same time, within the, within the same time period, Nimru's province was on the opposite end of Afghanistan in the, in the southwest part uh, also fell. So I think this has been, I mean, I think our original, these are deals that have already been made. And what I think it basically is, is that once the uh, United States isn't back in the central government in a meaningful way, they're going to uh, give over to the uh, the Taliban, which now are a bunch of, uh, you know, they're a bunch of Islamist drug dealers. I mean, that's most of their income. And also, I think a lot of the, the uh, things that were foisted upon the Afghan government from the United States, because otherwise they wouldn't get, you know, the suggestions they wouldn't get the money was cultural things, which I think are resented by the mass of the uh, Afghan population, particularly the male, the male population. So and as soon as we're, we're done, they just want to get back to their the way they like to live their lives. And uh, if you don't like to live the, your life that way, and you have to be an Afghan. You either get choice of either getting leaving or getting murdered. So, you know, the. Uh... As far as I'm aware, Conduce, there was heavy fighting, and there's a lot of fire in the town right now. But Conduce was the town, the Taliban, that was the last place the Taliban were in 2001 when we went and rounded them up, if you'll remember. Not surprising to see that fall. Uh, sorry, Pole's a problem. I'm, I'm, that's surprising because that's very close to the Northern Alliance's home territory. Nimrod's is a whole different situation, which uh, um, uh, I'd like to explain a little bit in detail if we're ready to hear that. Okay, before we go to Nimrod's out west, let's talk about, now again, these things are falling without significant fighting. The Northern Alliance does not exist so much anymore, right? But but we no. talked, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, did you think that, that as the Taliban takes over more and more of Afghanistan without a fight, and then the thing that the Taliban are, are notorious for is the, their inability to govern, that the, Northern, that the Northern Alliance will, you know, out of necessity, reconstitute itself so that they can have some sort of functioning, you know, government infrastructure. And I think the, the, our, our discussion says that is certainly a possibility because that's how it happens historically. They band together during these times to, to protect themselves. So, um, so any thoughts about does that become? Is this simply the first step in the road to, you know, the the probably the reconstitution of the Northern Alliance that will happen over time as the Taliban does what they historically do, which is don't govern well after they take over an area. Just a question before that. So the the New York Post is reporting. B-52s lead new U.S. air power onslaught to stop Taliban advances. I can't find anything else out there. We're saying on one hand there's no heavy fighting, but we got AC-130s and B-52s supposedly flying missions. I I don't know where the AC-130s could be flying out of. It sure as hell ain't bothering. 
And they're saying uh, B-52s out of uh, Cutter. Right. That makes sense. Uh, F-18s off of Ronald Reagan. And it says Reagan someone's not. reporting that someone's reporting AC-30s have been sent into action, according to the New York Post. I don't think they're making it up, but they don't quote. I, I would hazard to guess those are going into Lashkagar and Kandahar. The bombings, the bombings. I would hazard to guess that's where those are going. Yeah. You know, Mac, I, I don't think, uh, I think the national, the, the Northern Alliance is, is, will never return. And I think the reason is because a lot of people who are in the Northern Alliance, particularly in the late 90s and 2000, 2001, um, now have more in common with them than what the, what the Taliban has evolved into than they do with the government of Afghanistan. Right. And I guess if I recall our discussion, it may be a discussion that I had with, you know, Franz Marty, which was that will be an intermediate step to further dysfunction where the need to reconstitute the Northern Alliance would then, right, would then appear. So, so, you know, you're, I, you know, you're right, Jeff. um, And, um, but, you know, if, past performance is any indication of future returns, right? Yeah. Then there certainly is a possibility. Let me read you. This is from um, NDTV, their world news service. More than 200 terrorist Taliban were killed in the city of Shibergen. This after Air, U.S. Air Forces targeted their gatherings and ah, hideouts today, today. A large number of their weapons and ammunition and more than 100 of their vehicles were destroyed were destroyed as a result of American airstrikes. So I don't know um that's a hell they're... of a long way for F18s to be running, bro. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, no, I, 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 I'm glad to hear that, but boy, oh boy I don't think about... yeah, but I don't think that's the F18. No, no, right? it's got to be the B52. Yeah, yeah, the Taliban gathering was targeted by B52 bombers uh in Shibirgan city of Jazjan province. Uh, today, um, so um, <laughs> yeah. we did that in two thousand one. Man, history repeating itself. There you go. So I don't know that that is. So again, you know, we intervene, but what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan? I don't see a lot of international reporting saying that there's high casualties and heavy heavy fighting in. City XYZ. I haven't seen those articles yet. Maybe they're coming. Nope. I haven't seen them yet. So the fact that we decide to intervene in this and drop a bunch of bombs on somebody, okay, I got it. So when I say um, no heavy fighting, that's simply what's being reported in the international press. Yeah. There's been a couple on the ground reporters murdered too by, uh, by either the Taliban or ISIS here in the last week. So... Um, they might be, you know, we're, it might be a lot of conjecture, the reporting that we're getting. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I think if we move the Nimrods and I explain what I know about what's going on out there, that might be a template of what's going on other places. Okay. So, so let me ask you, I mean, based on, again, we're just reading open source stuff and we right. follow this stuff for a while, but so has anything, is anything that's happening break squelch from what you guys thought would happen? We talked about the pace of this. But then, you know, then 
the fact that there has been no reported major heavy fighting, right, um, leads us to believe that the things that you guys told us, that deals would be cut because that is the way you do it. And the only place you're going to see heavy fighting is when two businessmen can't agree on the terms of the deal and one thinks that he's going to take it, and then you will see heavy fighting. But we haven't seen that heretofore with the exception of these, you know, these, I don't know what you would call them, these last gasp airstrikes of the American military as we unass Afghanistan. I'm not sure what somebody, that's not certainly not what a spokesman's going to call it. I mean, but um, at the end of the day. Well, what what breaks squelch for me is what I'm being told from guys who are in Zarange right now. So, so I've got a I've got a boots on the ground report okay. because uh, uh, I would have never thought Zarange would be the first province or any province to fall. Zarange didn't fall to the Taliban before, right? Um, and so, so if, I I, I kind of would like to set this up a little bit because okay. For, seen, first of all, again, just for everybody that's Afghan challenge relative to geography, Timmy, from Kabul, which is generally the center of the country. Right, although it is on the eastern side, but people will look at Kabul and say there. From Kabul, what what area are we talking about? From Kabul, where if you're looking at a map of Afghanistan, we're talking down to your left about seven o'clock in the southwest of the country. Uh, Nimrod's border, Nimrod's province borders Iran and Pakistan uh, along its very very lengthy international boundary. It's right in the corner of the Desert of Death, the Dashti Margot. Mostly Baluch people, Baluchis. Now, so so let, let me set up. A, we have a I, we have I have knowledge of Nimrods because of the work I was doing, and we've talked about this on the show before. But for listeners who aren't aware, or or joining us late, I was in from 2010 to 2011. I was living in Lashkagar, um, uh, supporting the community development program for USAID, and I was there specifically because. Uh, then Colonel Furness was in the south. Then Colonel Kennedy was in the north. Mac was out there with Furness. And out of the four of us, if you were to talk, talk about who was the tightest crew in the, at TBS in the 90s, you would just add in Paul and, and Dave. We All of us were literally IOC instructors together and have known each other. And I was there specifically to support them. What the Leatherneck, uh, the G9 told me was, because I couldn't do much because working in Holman province meant you had to work with the Brits and it was complicated. And I don't want to get into it. What I was asked to do was dump my 24 million into the into, into Nimrod's province, which the Marine Corps was responsible for, but could not send forces into because the capital Zaranj is on the border with Iran. When you land at the Zaranj airport on your phone, it will say "Welcome to Iran" in English because the, the cell towers you you ping <laughs> off they're that they're that close. Okay. When I was working, the governor's name was Brahawi. Brahawi is a people. It, it, the Brahawi people are a subset of the Baluch people. They're rather distinct, the, the tougher, more nomadic breed of them. Brahawi was a graduate of the Kabul Military Academy, fought the Soviets, fought the Taliban, never defeated, served his time as governor, was reappointed last week. He took over the governor's compound got all the weapons and ammunition and men and moved back out into Sharbojack District. Sharbojack District was the district that we did the rehabilitation of their, of uh, that and Kang of all of their uh, um, irrigation systems 
making them all millionaires in the poppy market because that place started blooming after <laughs> after I left. But he's from Tarbajack. He's in the middle of the damn desert. And if, uh, if you go to Free Range International, I just put up a post. You can see pictures of all of this. And what he said is, if you want to fight me, come and fight me, but I'm not going to let you destroy the city. You come fight me. If he launches from there to fight the Taliban again, it can only be with Iran's support. His compound, you can throw a rock to Iran from his compound, and all the, comp, all the Iranian border police are also Baluch. I, I, I dealt with them when we were doing the uh, the canals because we were right on the zero line. Very friendly, very friendly folks. Yeah, just a little and bit it, of context to that. Um, yeah. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is a Baluchi. There you go. And, yeah. And his nephew, who did the bomb, the original bombing in 1993 of the World Trade Center, he's a Baluchi too. Yeah, but so they're they, not Bahuis. Yeah. They're not Bahuis. They're the Quetta Baluchi. Those guys are trash. Everybody knows that. So, because of the of the Marines' inability to go into Zaranch, I went into Zaranch and was able to redo a lot of the city and whatnot, so I know the place pretty well. Unfortunately, this week also, the Biden administration announced a P-1, P-2 visa, which allows employees from American-sponsored companies to get visas now. And so I got a flood from Zaranch, and those guys, instead of jumping across the border with their wives and kids, are trying to make it to Kabul, and I'm and I'm... I'm frustrated because I was telling them this is stupid, but this is what you want to do. So I've got a bunch of on-the-scene reports that the Taliban was going door-to-door looking for collaborators and killing them. And if that is true, it's the first report from a battlefield defeat far away that's turned out to be true in history of man. So you can discount a lot of the hysteria that reports you're hearing because we know from being experienced, initial reports are always exaggerated and always wrong. So I... If if Brahui launches out of his out of his desert fastest, because the Taliban aren't going to come out there and tangle with him, he knows the place too. He knows the train too well. If he launches out of there, it's because Iran's helping him. And bear in mind, Iran has five brigades of Hazara guys that they trained and sent to Syria who were from Afghanistan. So there is all kinds of machinations going on here, plus a new Iranian administration. So the, the Taliban's sitting right on the border with Iran. I suspect if they start getting crazy, the Iranians will come right across the border and smack them because they're not friends. Not friends. All right, let's Taliban talk. Okay. On the let's broaden the lens a little bit. The um, Your thoughts on, again, the B-52 stuff aside, the F-18 stuff aside, Um. No major fighting that we're seeing. Um, is Does this change the narrative, or is this simply playing out generally according to the way you all thought it would play out? It's just quicker than I thought. Okay. Other than the timeline. But the, and all that means is that the deals have been in place for for a while, right? Right. I don't. I. I don't think it's over. And 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 if those deals hold, that'd be another one of the first in history of Afghanistan. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They never seem to work out. I I don't know. Now, I, but I, but again, which I want to, no, but again, but that's part of the path, right? So which leads you back to what civil war? Yeah, that's which what I'm which I'm is a, which is Afghanistan the way it is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. It, it is. And I just don't believe that, that uh, Governor Brahali pulled out 
and is just going to pull out and not fight. I, I don't believe that for a second. That guy's all about fighting. Um, he spent an hour talking to me in the desert about how he used to beat up the Soviets out there. It was it's it, the guys a the guys a warrior. So I believe in him, but a lot of Afghans believe in him. But we'll have to see, because he ain't going to be able to do a damn thing without Iranian ex- implicit support. All right, Jeff. Any other thoughts? Well, like I say, I'm just surprised how quick it happened, you know, and uh, things are happening simultaneously in different parts of the country. That's kind of rare for Afghanistan because it's very local. You know, that's the problem of doing deals with the Taliban is that they don't have control or influence in some cases over some of their, you know, their outlying uh, units. So this is a little different, you know. So so in your opinion, in your collective opinion, in your individual opinions. Has anything is anything happening other than maybe the timeline's a little compressed that 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 surprises you? No. Timmy says no. Jeff? No, I don't. But I, to me, my gut is telling me that uh, that the people of Afghanistan are kind of sick of the whole American uh, um, presence, and, and even though it was small you know, as far as People goes the influence on the government was big, and uh, so a lot of things that you know we thought we were going to bring enlightenment to the Afghans, and they're giving us a lesson basically, and like uh, you can keep your enlightenment. We just wanted to fight the Taliban, and uh, you you made it too expensive culturally for us. A lot of stupid stuff we got involved in, trying to you know and uh, trying to change the way they did their agriculture, trying to change the way they did their uh, police forces and so forth. That uh, I'm talking in the cities, not you know, not so much like down there in, in Helmand and everything. The, yeah, they're, it, they're like, you, know, you guys can take your stuff and go back. You, you know, go the, back to you know the West and leave us to be. To, to buttress Jeff's point, your average Afghan, if he has a problem with, uh, let's say, somebody assaulting his child, like like somebody uh, beat up his kid or or even killed his kid. He doesn't want the government involved in that. That's The government's got no business. That's family business. We'll sort this out. So a lot of the stuff that you would consider to be crimes are family matters over there. Yeah. And, they're, right. and, and disputes are much better handled by mullahs. Right. So, but neither one of you two is seeing anything that, that you did not expect to see. Other than losing, other than losing the Rams, no. I was surprised by that. Got it. Will, any thoughts about either the pace or, or what you expected to see in all this, if you expected to see anything? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think is sitting at quite arm's length away. You know, conventional wisdom was that the country was going to start to turn over to the Taliban. Um, it would be interesting to hear the chairman talk about why we're using B-52s. Yeah, that's an awful blunt object. Yeah, yeah, it just it gives sort of the illusion that air power can be decisive, Um, and if we're not trying to get to decision, it it seems seems odd. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I just been reading some of the news. While we're talking, and various sources report heavy fighting. 
Italian news sources, Al Jazeera. But, you know, I don't like those adjectives in combat reporting. Right. Right? Because if you're a fire team being attacked by a platoon, you're in heavy fighting. Yeah, but well, you know, but again, what what we're talking about is cities being destroyed, major urban combat, and things like that, yeah. right? And, 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 and so and far, you you just haven't seen it, right? I, I, I'm with yeah. you, Will. So I, I, I yeah. get that. And I'm sitting there thinking because I I would have thought the B-52s were going after Lasher Guard because that seems to be threatened. But you guys remember how small Lasher Guard was? Why the hell would a B-52 strike go? I mean, it's, it, it would go into other communities. I mean, Jesus, where, where could you even put it? When Roger Turner was there and then after him, General Watson, the idea was to make like a cummerbund around Lash of little districts that were, you know, safe. And uh, and he did he got about that half done before he, his time was up there. But and the idea being that if someone would approach Lash in mass, you know, they could be dealt with. And what would happen was when the when the Afghans security forces concentrated to retake a district. The Taliban would concentrate to resist. And when they concentrated, they're vulnerable to our B-52s, to our, you know, our, our predators and all that stuff. And that's when they right. they would use them. So I'm thinking maybe that's what's going on with B-52s and Lash. However, I don't think the Taliban, my gut is telling me they don't have to mass. The, the deals have already been made. And a lot of this is like, and that's why reporters have been murdered Um you know, and uh, in an attempt to make this thing look different than what it is, what it is is a big de- is a bunch of big deals to give up. You know the uh, the governance. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know though. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I, that, I'm, I got no. I think Timmy's information is probably the best that we got. Yeah, and it was there was fighting. I one of my uh, uh, matter of fact, my interpreter, he's in California now. His cousin got killed in Kang, who's a, a captain in the ANA. And I can't imagine how they were getting into Kang. That's a difficult district to get into, but so they were at least fighting there. But that and I'm like I'm with Will too when he says this uh, heavy fighting. That's true. I mean heavy fighting means different things to different sizes of units, you know? So I, I just uh I'm skeptical of the whole thing. It, it, it's gotta shake out a little bit before we know. And and then there's the uh are, you can't depend on our news sources, either the ones that are saying that they're there or the ones who report what what, what is supposedly reported to them. I just don't trust them anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't. Well, you're not going to get any depth out of them anyway. Yeah. yeah. The um, Yeah, but you, there's so many different ways that, you know, that video, you know, gets to us now. I mean, Twitter... Yeah, I mean, I tell people when news breaks, go to Twitter, type in whatever's going on, and you're going to see minute by minute people with phones that are on site that are posting stuff. If you want to track a a breaking event, and so um, so again, when when I say, and this is from the Wall Street Journal from this morning, uh, Afghan government defenses collapse in key cities. Now they use the word collapse. Right in key cities in northern Afghanistan, as the Taliban seized the strategic hub of Kunduz and overran two other provincial capitals, taking advantage of the American military withdrawal. The second paragraph: After our after hours after taking Kunduz early Sunday, the Taliban captured the capitals of Saripal and 
Takhar provinces, all but eliminating the government's presence in large swaths of the country's north. The insurgents already seized two of Afghan's 34 provincial capitals on Friday and Saturday, and on Sunday were battling government forces on the outskirts of the major cities of Herat and Kandahar. So, to me, that's interesting, right? How much fighting are you going to see in Herat and Kandahar, you know, and that will tell you what kind of disagreement you have there. Uh, yeah, that, that there is no deal struck. Yeah. Uh, well, there's not, they're not going to be striking deals with Ishmael Khan and Kandahar. I don't believe that for a second. And if Resnick was still alive, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Ishmael Khan and Herat, and if Resnick was still alive, Kandahar would be a lot safer. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just sent you, by the way, the latest Franz Marty uh, TV interview. Okay. So, um, bottom line is, you're not seeing anything that would cause you to rethink that the deals have been cut, and the only places we'll see major fighting where they they cannot because somebody who's part of the federal government is strong enough to to take on the Taliban in the region, yeah. and then. Maybe Let's, this maybe this is a signal, right? Uh, the B fifty two stuff that this is how the United States is going to support us, and so you're not going to be able to mass to come into the major population centers. So you're going to have to deal with this politically. I don't know. You know, yeah, I'm super. The way we got out of Vietnam is shameful, and those forces in there they were fighting very hard right up to the end. I mean, the Battle of Zwan Lock in, 19, in uh, March of 1975, 1,000 NVA dead trying to take that place. They were fighting, and they were trained to fight as a U.S. Army, complete with spare parts and helicopters and stuff like that. And we stopped giving them that in 1974 after the uh, midterm elections. And so they crumbled. These guys still have all their stuff, and, and there's no reason why. They shouldn't be able to handle these ragtag guys that are calling themselves the Taliban and so forth. So that's why I'm convinced these guys have everything from tanks to, uh, you know, they got attack helicopters. They have uh, they got assault craft they can move people around with and they're just not doing it. It tells me something something's rotten in Denmark and in Kabul. You know? Well, that, that, that's what um, what the chairman said a month ago. Yeah. Right. In that press conference. That what we're going to see is, you know, he talked about the equipment, the training that's been done over the course of 20 years, right? Do they have the will to fight, you know, for Afghanistan? Moral is to the physical is three is to one. Wow. Hold on. Let me write write that down. Say that again to me slower. The moral is to the physical. Moral is to the physical as three is to one. And the Taliban's Taliban's unifying theme as in get all the – invaders the uh, uh infidel invaders and their puppet government out that resonates better than uh hey do you want to be a captain give me a uh, ten thousand bucks you can be a captain here at the uh, border station and make money because that's what you, you, if you were an afghan what side would you be on got it yeah that's the goddamn problem all right and, and, and i'm not to say that the guys that fought with us were were, were that bad there were plenty of them that were absolutely believed that we were going to see this through, and 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 they were they were back in their strong tribe. Yeah. Plenty of them, but the over. But but how can you how can you battle the Taliban's appeal? What are you going to do that with Karzai? Come on, man. Nobody. Yeah. All right, that. we've got to the point 
of the uh, discussion, Will? <laughs> no, I mean, and, and that's the point of this whole thing now. The, the, the people that want us to stay are, uh, you know, they're embracing the sunk cost fallacy. Well, we put so much into this. Yeah. How can we let it go? And, right. and, and it's, I would say, if you want us to stay, give me your vision of success. And what exactly. That's exactly um, right, Will. Because, What's yeah, this is absolutely tragic. Unfortunately, life is tragic and are we going to create more tragedy to try and redeem past tragedy i'm not unsympathetic actually i'm i i won't say this in public often i admire you guys for your commitment to this thing um and and everyone else out there and it's it's horrible that the people that we lost and we spent two three trillion dollars on this but Give me the vision of the future, and then we can come up with a plan to get there. But until yes. then, it's and that pure vision, emotional crap. Right. I have to tell you, Will, that vision was put out there in like 2010. The idea of uh, going to the villages, going to the, you know, the, in, within the districts, special forces guys, um, you know, and, and, and doing national police. In other words, Afghan police that are local, ALP. And that became a threat, a huge threat to the Taliban. And that's when the green on blue got ratcheted up. And our fucking generals just gave up because 30 or 40 Americans got killed by their supposed allies. Um, they just gave up. They were, we're going to separate ourselves from these guys all over Helmand. They were, making, uh, they were basically making walls between the Afghan army and the U.S. forces, I mean, particularly in places like Kajaki and, uh, and Nauzad and so forth. So it, they, they totally surrendered to that. Uh, the Taliban tactic was we'll pay some guys, we'll have some, uh, you know, imposter, we'll have some uh, get in there, we'll, we'll raise up the normal rate of green on blue, which is common in every conflict where you have, you know, two sets of forces fighting together. And they raised it up a little, and not that much. They had a huge panic attack about the fact that you had green on blue and people were saying, oh, my God, we're over there trying to help these people and they're murdering our, our troops because you had guys in sentry posts opening fire on Marines and soldiers and so forth. You had people going into gyms and shooting, you know, Americans who were working out and everything. And you had people in offices. But there wasn't that many, a couple dozen. And, uh, and, and it was obviously a tactic to drive a wedge between U.S. forces and the partner Afghans. And, it, and, and our guys just said, said yeah, the, what you should have done, what you'll see the MARSOC guys and the uh, special force guys saying, what, what we do to fight green on blue is we play more volleyball games with our, uh, with our partner forces. We bring them closer, you know, that, that's rather than, uh, okay, you know, you guys need to stand off here. And I, I got a, I got my, my, uh, you know, uh, my guardian angel pointing a weapon right at you almost because you're an Afghan and you're in my area now. Ridiculous. Right. Well, especially in that kind of war. The, um, I, but I, I want to go back to, you know, something Will just said. So, so Will's point is that the American people don't care. I think. But we care, right? Yeah. Those of us who spent time there, those, you know, those of us who, you know, who know people who, 
you know, lost friends, who lost body parts, who, you know, people who have come home and been impacted, you know, we care. And so, um, so I just want to make, I don't know if, I don't think Will needs me to refine his points, but, but, um, but we know who cares and we know why we care. But I think Will's point is, is, is the nation's point and that doesn't register. The nation's watching this. And here's what I think is scary. So out of Washington, D.C., what is the major concern? Here's what I would submit. It is the political fallout from the video that's going to happen. Right? Oh, Jesus, if they start evacuating people off the roof of the embassy, can you imagine? Well, can not. I mean, imagine? all of that. All of that that's yeah. going to come streaming into people's homes and the political fallout, right, that the president's going to have to deal with because of that. To me, that is the driving force now behind managing this unassification of Afghanistan. It's not what happens on the ground. You know, it is how does this play politically? And I'm going to have to wear this thing. Cause yeah, there's, there's, there's some interesting things about this, too. You know, this, the commentary, consider the people that care, is really a commentary on the modern American military. We, we, we haven't quite become a mercenary force, but we've become very separated from the American population. And if the American military fighting person's interests are different than the public, that's probably not a good thing. Uh, how many more years? Just, uh, you know, I was going to ask this the other day, or at least it was in my head. How many more years, given the declining demographics of the nation, do you think that um, – we are going to have to actually consider having a draft because we could we just can't recruit it anymore. Uh, just we'll lower the standard. Yeah, I mean uh, we can recruit it. I, you know, just I, I think there you go. Okay. A large, a large portion of the the uh, you know the uh, initial enlistees or potential list enlistees are not qualified physically. Like Will says, in order to get the numbers, we'll have to lower. And beyond that. What politician is going to survive for 10 seconds in modern post-millennial America saying there's going to be a draft? I mean, it's ridiculous. No, you're, you're already seeing the cartwheels are doing, you know, given the fact that, you know, combat arms and MOSs um, are open to anybody now. And so, therefore, if that is our criteria for service, then anybody ought to have to register for the draft at the age of 18. And yeah, that's right. And there's lawsuits, and but Congress wants no part of that, right? Yeah. Congress because that if you if you poll women on that issue, their response is not only no but hell no, right? And to Will's point, he just made what politician is going to mm-hmm. do what is intellectually the right thing, right? So if this is open to anybody, then everybody is eligible to be drafted. Final thoughts. Um, uh, I'm. Will you see major fighting around Kandahar? Will you see major fighting around Herat? Jeff, Will? Yeah, I I don't know if, if, uh, you know, is the Taliban sophisticated enough to just lay siege to these people and let them starve? Does that play in the morale force of how they think or not? 
And are they willing to just have these places in a backwater as long as they can control the major source of funding that I think comes through Kabul? That's probably the question. Um, and are they also sophisticated enough to potentially leave a backdoor escape hatch to any of the leadership who's just totally invested in those places? Because at some point, the rank and file, you know, you, you think about images from Vietnam, and you, you think, I'm, I'm still reading this book, Atkinson, in Second World War. You know, Germans fled west as the Russians came over the border because they knew it was going to be horrible when the Russians got to town. It's not clear that you're seeing Afghans get on the road to get away from the Taliban. So, um, yeah, it's a strange situation. How do you motivate people to fight in this kind of environment if they are truly just a mercenary force? I don't know. That's a good point, Will just made, because uh, I just haven't seen reportage of Nightingale returns about, you know, reportage of people trying to escape to their houses in India, their houses in, uh, you know, um, in uh, Dubai and so forth, even Switzerland, some of them, you know, these guys hoarded money and all. You're not seeing that. I'm not hearing about it. It doesn't mean it hasn't already happened or it's not going on now, but you're just not seeing that big flea thing. And I think, I don't think there's going to be a lot of heavy fighting, but there's going to be a lot of heavy murder uh, because uh, people are going to be wanting to settle individual scores. And I think that's going to happen. So, but again, the question is, Heavy fighting in Kandahar, heavy, heavy fighting in Herat, do you think that will happen? Because that's really, that's where the clash is, right? The money of the federal government, right, has been, these people have been on that payroll. There's been generals in charge of those cities, right? And they have very, very loyal people to them because they've got, they've had a lot of money. They've made a lot of money in, in all of this. So do you expect them to hold on to their, you know, their city states, essentially? And, or, go ahead. I think you see it in Herat. For the reasons Tim said, like you know, um, but uh, I don't, I don't think I think Kandahar is already gone. Got it. Okay, Timmy, you know, your thoughts. Herat specifically, think, specifically Herat and Kandahar. Do you think I you'll see fighting? To see heavy, heavy fighting in both. But I suspect that Taliban gets their combat resupply and support easier than Afghan forces do. In other words, I think whatever the Afghans are fighting with is what they've got on hand because it doesn't appear that Ghani's administration is very on the ball as far as shifting around weapons and ammunition to where it's needed. That's the problem. The question is, is how much do the warlords have? And do they got enough to fight? That's why I was saying in Nimrod, he needs Iran's support. He needs weapons and ammo because he's not going to get them from Kabul. And I think the same's for Herat and the same's in Kandahar. So, okay. Three weeks ago, he had like two Kandaks turn right over to the Taliban up there in Kunduz. Exactly. So, yeah. so the, so is this B fifty two strike? Is this simply a calling card to say if you want a mass, right, and you want to get out to the federal government, we're going to respond to that in in an effort to to preserve Kandahar, to an effort to preserve Herat, because you can't do that if you don't mass. Yeah. They keep on dropping B-52s, and they're going to have an awful lot of bad publicity about killing of innocents and stuff. I mean, that's not a blunt. That's a blunt instrument, man. There's not a lot of standoff. You no. Know? I mean, they, my dad's battalion got 
its ass chewed up in, in, in Vietnam to get out of the way of a B-52 strike. So how the hell are you going to launch one of those in Kandahar? Well, is the B-52 strike today the same as, are, are they precision-guided munitions that they drop? Are all of them precision-guided? No, they can be, yeah. Well, they can be, but what's the point then? I mean, you know, yeah. well, you, you have a, a lot of, that's a lot have... of money to go around and, and, and swack a mole when you be dumping a whole payload, making yeah. it safe. Well, again, you you want to know what the point you want to know what the point is? No civilian casualties. No, the point is politically, I'm not going to have to watch this disaster and take responsibility for it while I'm in office. That's the point. Uh, last time we helped them fight for condos, we bombed we bombed the the Doctors Without Borders Mercy Hospital, and that caused that was like four years ago. Caused all kinds of heartburn. That's probably why they're not up there now. They would just. It would seem though that. That if the chairman's dispensing best military advice, the president has said, I don't want to see helicopters on the roof of the embassy. The idea that the course of action that's put forward is that we conduct airstrikes, it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't get you to the desired result. Um, there's no way that it can. Uh, if you don't want to see helicopters off the roof of the embassy, you get people out of there completely before they get to the embassy gates, or <laughs> you decide that we're going to commit the force required to defeat someone. But yeah. These yeah. things in between just seem ridiculous and not worthy of the U.S. government or the U.S. military, although a whole lot of things in the last 20 years you would say are not worthy of the U.S. military. So Yeah, because... People don't people don't understand that you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, you know, we were we were talking we were talking maybe a month ago when I don't know if that's when uh, I don't know if that's when we gave up um, what what's Bagram when Bagram, Bagram. Yeah, not yeah. even not even a month ago and and we were talking about well wait a minute once you give up Bagram. How do you get into Kabul to evacuate the American right yeah. delegation that's there? And exactly. so I've that's the, I asked the, a couple people since then. That's what the Ospreys comes in. Oh yeah, good luck. Um, shitload of Ospreys and a shitload of KC one thirty. But where do they land? And that's and that's the question. And that's the question I ask people. So so well, if something episode. if something happens. Where do they land? And they're like, um, Kabul International. A, big LZ in the uh, in the embassy. But no, again, no, 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 bro, not in the embassy. It's in, in the Kabul, old ISAF yeah. headquarters. Yeah, and but you, yeah, I mean, now. come on, you're not going to land anything no. of substance in there unless you want to see it as a burning hulk. No you, more than you one can't day, get there. You can't get there. And yeah. so and so I've asked that of, of two different people since then, and they just shake their head. And this is to Will's point. I would love to hear what the people that are saying, keep those people there, say about how they're going to get them out. Because as, as Will just said, you are asking, you're ask, you're inviting disaster with these middle courses. So anyway. We, we pointed that out months ago. Right. And it's going to be a shame if we turn, turn out to be right, if it's true right. we're right. All right. Well, first of all, I appreciate all your hard work this morning. Um, just so everybody knows that I asked everybody to come on on a, on a Sunday and, uh, Will had other things to do, but he stopped them 
and now he's in his paneled library um, waxing eloquent. So thank you very much for your input today. Any final thoughts? Tim, final thought? I, 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 I like Afghanistan. I like the people. I hate to see this. That's all I can say. This, is, a, this is heartbreaking for me. Will, final yeah. thought? No, I think we all we, it's all been said. Uh, yeah, and, I, and 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 listen, when I say nobody cares, I think I'm talking about American public opinion. But but for for the people that do care, be careful of emotionally investing in government policy. Yeah. Right? It rarely turns out well for Yeah. <laughs> well said. Jeff, final thought? Well, you know, I think uh not to stay on the detail, but I think the Kabul International Airport can be secured and used for an evacuation. But uh, yeah, no, did, no, no, just just for the record, nobody else did because I asked that. How do you secure it? And they said you yeah. can't. It's too big. Uh, the surround. Yeah, if they're in the, if, the, if they're in this, and, and here's what both of them said. I'll paraphrase: the surrounding area, if it's inhabited by adversaries, it's. You're not going to be able to get aircraft in. And surrounding areas, what? We've already been through this. Pashtun. It's right in the eastern Pashtun section of the city. So. Yeah. It's a common problem for Muse. Right. Always trying to work that out. So, I mean, a little bit of bribery, a little bit of extra firepower, you could do it. I mean, if you, you wouldn't have a choice if there's no other way to get our people out. Got it. All right. With that said. And again, just like has already been said. I mean, uh, everything's been said. You know, there's nothing else left to say. The uh, the the demise of Afghanistan was was uh, lies and decisions made a decade ago. There you have it, yeah. Jeff Kenny, Will Cosentini, and Tim Lynch. little special edition of the Mensa Brothers today, but I thought it was, given the news over the weekend, <clears throat> I thought it was appropriate to uh, listen to them, uh, wax eloquent or not, um, on the subject of Afghanistan. So um, Afghanistan is going to get really, <clears throat> really serious. I think it's just kind of shaking out right now where the... Um, where the the deals have been cut, people are confident. They know that they can go without too many casualties. And what you're going to see when people begin to force, try to force the issue, is what you saw over the weekend. You're going to see more American B-52s and air power, which is kind of the card left to play, which says, yeah, you're not going to be able to do this thing the way you think you are. Because we're not going to let you, which means you're going to have to come to a political settlement because you're not going to be able to go in the cities because they will, Afghan federal forces will hold those cities. So anyway, that seems to be what you saw over the weekend. But as always, we will pay attention and, uh, and at least give you an opinion. And again, <laughs> you know, when the only thing you have is open source reporting to go on, I mean, the only thing you can do is give an opinion. So with that said, I'm Mike McNamara, the Submarine Radio. Thank you very much for listening on a Monday. Have a great day. <laughs>